Hello, and welcome to the 10th episode of the NetCentric podcast. I'm joined today by Catherine Weisserborn. She's the commercial marketing manager of NetCentric. Hi, Catherine. How are you today? Thanks, God. I'm great. Thanks. <laughs> Good. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, as usual, it's probably best for you to give a quick self-introduction rather than me butcher some sort of a, a bio on your behalf. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm Katrin. Uh, I'm um, at Compass Centric. I'm in charge of commercial marketing, um, so part of the marketing, of course, um, which means I'm in charge of all the activities, the marketing activities that are uh, targeted towards new and existing clients or I deal with um, uh, Adobe Partner Marketing. So this area of, of marketing is mine, and I'm also the lead link of the diversity and inclusion circle. Oh, nice, nice. Okay, so we'll definitely touch on those those two subjects today, uh, specifically the diversity and inclusion circle that you're involved with. Uh, but going back, way back before then, um, what was your earliest memory of, of technology? My earliest memory of technology, that's a good question, because I was never very much into technology until I discovered um, the personal computer when my older brother received it, uh, a used Commodore 64 back then uh, um, for Christmas. And I didn't even know why he was so excited about that box <laughs> because I didn't even know what it was so that he was totally uh, excited so I just put my teddy bears and Barbies to the side and checked out his gift because it seemed to be really cool and it came with a lot of games um, and then uh, we just spent a, a very long German winter playing all those games together and my parents were super surprised that my brother and me were playing together and not separate as before. That's good. That's a nice story that it, it kind of brought uh, the siblings together. Is he older or younger than you? He's two years older than me. Two years older. So yeah, I can imagine that um, at a certain age, the interests kind of go in different directions uh, between <laughs> between you as as kids. And and it's nice that the, the Commodore, the used Commodore, brought you guys back together uh, and gave you a, a shared passion. Um, where are you from? I'm from Germany. I was born and raised in Germany, but as soon as I finished school, I decided to go for places with more sunshine and the beach. <laughs> <laughs> We're similar that here. way. Yeah. We're similar that way. So professionally, you, you went into media and, and business. Um, what, uh, what were you doing, let's say, before you, you found NetCentric? Uh, I was doing a, a mix. So when I just came to Spain, imagine it was 2011. So what is the peak of the, the last economic crisis? Mm -hmm. um, and I was really lucky because I got a job in, in marketing and sales in a, in a B2B company. So this is when I started B2B marketing. Of course, they needed somebody to cover the international sales because of the languages. But I started the whole marketing uh, there. Uh, later, I moved on to a B2C company in the travel sector, which was, of course, from a marketing perspective, a bigger world, bigger budgets, digital, creative campaigns. So this is where I learned most of it. Um, and I stayed there over five years. So it was a good time. But then at, at, after five years, then, you know, okay, now it's becoming a bit repetitive <laughs> because it's travel industry. You know, how many content can you produce about best destinations, city yeah. trips with a beach? So, and then I wanted to just, uh, um, yeah, move 
thin broad and also my because I, my, I had mainly digital experience and now I wanted to go back okay let's go and then NetCentric popped up in my LinkedIn um, suggestions and I said hey let's just go for it and so I came here and back to the uh, B2B uh, yeah and digital but also doing events face-to-face events of course something you didn't do in B2C at all so it's a great it's a great mix yeah definitely definitely so, so you were still in Madrid then when you came across NetCentric no, no, no. You already I, moved here. In the old job, I already moved. I also had uh, two years in, in Switzerland. And then I said, mm-hmm. okay, I want to go back to Spain. But they sent me to Barcelona instead of Madrid. And I said, I'm happy with the beach upgrade. No problem. Mm-hmm. That's great. <laughs> and then did you know anybody at Netcentric when you, uh, when you applied? No, no, not at all. I mean, you see LinkedIn, these connections, uh, you know, the right. shared connections and some former employee from uh, from the travel industry um, was there. And so I reached out and also NetCentric HR reached out. So I had this uh, connection, but pretty much he left when I joined. So, oh, okay. <laughs> but at least for the intro, I was still there. Yeah. So what was your what was your onboarding, your arrival to NetCentric like? Because um, obviously NetCentric is a unique uh, organizational structure. It, it has a unique culture, especially here in Barcelona. What was it like for you to, to let's say, your early days at NetCentric? It was a big uh, change um, from where I came from because, of course, a B2C and travel industry, the marketing department was huge. A lot of people, like we were 70 people, we had people for everything, we had budget and we were, you know, the cool kids in the office uh, <laughs> in the centric. We are a very small team and we do a lot of, a lot of things. So we are more like an in-house agency, you know, because we cover different, different areas. Like I do the commercial marketing, but I also am part of um, employer branding. And now I'm also asked to keep an eye on internal comms. So it's a big mix. And I had to get used to this because the first time at the very beginning, um, when I needed creatives, I said, okay, where do I, do I open the Jira ticket to the design department and to the department that creates my landing pages? And I was told, uh, you are doing this. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. <laughs> so I learned doing all of it. And now, now I'm very comfortable and I appreciate and I'm really uh, appreciating the independence because now I don't have to follow up tickets with the design department. I just, <laughs> I am the design department. You are the design department. <laughs> That's great. And um, so let's say, you know, you've, you've been there for what, three, almost four years from that century? Three years. Three years. When did you first get involved with uh, diversity and, and inclusion? Um, this was really interesting because I was, as it always was, a, a passion and an interest area um, of me. My former manager of PSL, she noted this and she invited me to the circle as a, in a, to have a role. And then uh, when the leading role became available, I was offered the role and I said, of course, yes, sign me up. I didn't even ask for details. How much would it be? I said, this is what I want to do. Um, and since, and then I, I was in this circle and I said, hmm, okay, now what do I do? What are we actually doing? Then it was also immediately the time when then the pandemic started. So everything that was locally organized, like roundtables, activities in the office, uh, girls' day, all these things were gone. So I was like, okay, now I have to circle. 
and now how should, what should I do with it? So um, yeah, so for a while it was a complete uh, one woman show, just me trying things out and uh, and reorganizing and also um, moving more topics into the circle because it was called diversity and inclusion, but it was basically grown as women in tech. Um, out of personal interest of the people who were running it back then. And I said, okay, that's, that's awesome. And it's great. And they're doing great things. But my understanding of diversity and inclusion is just broader than this. So um, I reached out also then to, uh, to Cognizant, who has made a lot of progress in recent years in this area. So they had a very broad structure. They had materials. They had focus areas. Um, and as I was recently starting, I used this a lot. It helped a lot and used it for orientation. And especially in the pandemic, I said, okay, um, why should I reinvent diversity and inclusion? So I went in the cognizant um, employee um, uh, chart and I put there the keywords diversity inclusion, checked who pops up for Spain got the email address and sent an email and said, hey, <laughs> you have a rep at Netcentric. How about we do this together? And this is when, when we joined. And, and, and this is why how, how nowadays you can do a lot of um, yeah, joint uh, activities. So I invite them to my talks. And they invite me to their talks because, I mean, we are all working towards the same um, goal. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, how how large would you say the circle is now uh, of organizers? I guess in Netcentric or even between the two organizations. This is uh, I start with Netcentric because I'm really proud of it. I just recently had to do the the the, the, the KPIs. That's why I know. <laughs> um, uh, since I uh, since I reorganized the circle and gave it also more visibility. Uh, shamelessly using the advantage that I'm in marketing and can do a lot of those things just by myself. Right. So now it's a really, uh, it, it doubled in size. So we had a lot of, let's say, supporters that were not really active in the beginning. Like, oh, yes, this is a great cause, but I mean, we all do it on the side. Um, so we were like, let's say, five older members. And of course, members come and go, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and now we are like 11 and wow. it's really great. And also a lot of new joiners came uh, and were very interested and they're also active in their private life. They want to um, drive new topics forward. So it's, it's really cool. I have potential new campaign managers. I have potential new speakers. So um, I'm really happy that it's growing and it's gaining a lot of uh, visibility. So um, this, is, this is great. And I also noticed as we're all working from home, especially for those juniors and the new joiners who didn't know me from the office before, they know me as the lead for diversity and inclusion. They don't wow. know. I mean, maybe they read that I do some marketing, but this is not the association they have with me. They know me as the lead for diversity and inclusion. And I think this is really cool uh, how the circle is growing, you know. Then Absolutely. Spain, uh, the Cognizant in Spain, I think they're also like 15 but there is then the, the Cognizant European diversity inclusion and the global ones who are even full-time employees. So and now we're just trying to sort out how we can all better cooperate. So we started with Netcentric and Cognizant Spain. We started at a um, small level. And now we try to also uh, reach out better to Europe and, and global. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think it speaks volumes to the, um, let's say, the buy-in and support that both organizations give to, the, to these projects and programs, um, that it, it is becoming your personal brand within the organization that you are the diversity yeah. and inclusion uh, uh, lead uh, for NetCentric. Now, you mentioned the pandemic kind of maybe threw a wrench in the gears or at least changed some of the ways that you communicate and, and uh, can, people can participate in these programs. How how are you managing that? How did you manage that throughout the last two years? Um, what kind of programs and processes are working, let's say, differently because you're not necessarily in the office next to your colleagues so much? Um, the pandemic was, let's say, something positive about the pandemic. It forced the change to happen, you know, because before the whole circle organization was we had the, we had local champions, you know, we had the Germany diversity inclusion champion, the Spain, the, the, the Romania, Switzerland, you know. So, and of course, then with the pandemic, as no local events in the office could be organized, it was a bit, in a, the whole circle was a little bit in a beauty sleep. Also mm-hmm. in the pandemic, the company had other priorities <laughs> uh, first and once it was online. And then we started to do, okay, let's move everything uh, online. Let's do something. Let's, the first thing we did, for example, was a, a meant for the Blue Monday, a mental health uh, workshop, mm-hmm. which was still pending. The, it was supposed to be the last activity on site in the office uh, before the pandemic. And then it was put on hold for almost a year. And then, okay, let's do it. We need it. Let's do it virtually. Um, and as this worked just fine, we said, okay, let's do more. Let's move to International Women's Day virtually. Let's, and then I thought, okay, why can't we do a, uh, as all the, the pride parades are, are canceled worldwide, obviously for the pandemic, let's move and let's do a little virtual and central pride. Yes, not the same thing, I know, but at least we are there. Um, and we realized then that when we assign in, in Glassrock, when we do in the tactical meetings and we assign the project, that we didn't even know whom, what role to assign those projects because it wasn't anymore Germany champion or Spain champion. So this is what pushed me into making this entire circle reorganization to adjust the circle to the new uh, reality. Uh, and then I said, okay, once I reorganize it, I directly set it up like in the cognizant logic because this is the, I opened the way to the cooperation with cognizant. So I'm doing it, but if I have, for example, the focus groups like women empowerment, mm-hmm. if whoever is in charge of women empowerment in the century wants to reach out to Cognizant, they can because the structure is the same and, and, and it's easy to do it. If they don't want, fine. Right. <laughs> do you all? We still eccentric. We have our own. We have our own uh, projects. We have our own priorities. We have our own focus areas. But at least. I opened the door for this for the collaboration. That's great. No, and to create those avenues and those pathways that it makes it easier and more accessible for people who are inevitably busy and have busy lives and already a lot on their plate, but that want to be involved and want to want to start new initiatives. That's great. Uh, I think that that's the true, the true kind of background of a of a leadership, especially in the tech space. It's all about processes and systems and making things more efficient and accessible. Uh, so I think that's a that's a, a really really cool initiative. Thank you. So um, coming up, you mentioned Pride 
uh, month was was a rough one the last two years. Can you share any details or teasers about what's going to happen? Of course. I mean, I can tell you uh, it, it wasn't really a rough one because it was it didn't exist two years before in that centric. And last year I thought, okay, let's just, why don't we have a pride? <laughs> we should have one. Um, so I, we just basically said, what could we do? We did a little brainstorm and we set it up and I said, let's see what happens. And um, so we organized this event and it was so popular and people joined people. I, I was, I was worried because I had no idea what would happen. So I had uh, three people that I know would share. They had prepared a little bit. Then I had, okay, the open discussion and you never know what is if nobody says something. So I had prepared my emergency questions that I could send to two people. I said, if nobody says something, you ask this. Uh, but no, it was so such a lovely event. And then people felt encouraged to share, although before they said, mm, I'd rather not, but then they felt to share and then we laughed and we cried and then we stayed longer, more than an hour longer and, it, and we just left because, you know, at some point it just, <laughs> people had plans in the evening. So it was so great. And then afterwards we said, okay, if people were so excited, let's ask the presenters if we can uh, use their quotes um, for social media or for, for the landing page. So, mm -hmm. you know, we, we started the event and then we came up with a campaign. And this year we planned it directly as a campaign from the very beginning, um, which is great because I had somebody, again, in my, my growing circle, this time I had somebody with a um, campaign planning experience and said, do you mind, I want to do a full month's campaign about universal love. Do you mind? I'm sorry. I don't mind. You go for it. Prime month is yours. So now we will cover. We already kicked it off, um, and we have all people involved. What does love mean to you? So we use the input of the entire company as basis for the campaign. Uh, we have plans for every single week of Pride Month, and we will have the event again um, as well. Personal, my personal highlight in the middle of the month. So I'm very okay. much looking forward to it. Okay, yes. very exciting, very exciting, and and yeah, it's a it's a great time of year, and I think a, a great opportunity to to grow the awareness overall. Um, that's that's fantastic. So, um, outside of work, um, what what are you passionate about? What where what do you find your interest going when you when you do close the laptop? Yeah, that's that's an interesting question because the whole diversity inclusion was my passion outside of work and then I am now bringing it into the work. Um, but then I have, I mean, it's not so much a passion, it's more my, it was my New Year's resolution and as half year through I'm still on it, I'd like to tell you about it. Um, because I decided that especially in the pandemic when I spent so much time um, with Netflix and the smartphone and everything, I said, okay, it's my my goal is now I want to read a book, one book at least per month. As we are at the end of the month, uh, last night I finished this month's book, and it was and it's called How to Be Black. Wow! <laughs> so, um, what? Yeah, a big range. This is uh -huh. yes. Yes, and this is really interesting because it might, you know, coming back to the to the topic, because it was, of course, a diversity inclusion book, but in a very humoristic way. So the, the author just described his own um, yeah, story uh, where he started growing up, the classic 
not good neighborhood, single mom, financial problems, and now um, how he made it, how he made it to Harvard and everything. And so very lighthearted, not the situation is so difficult, you know, mm -hmm. it is this um, very lighthearted, very interesting with input, but then also using statistics and pointing out a serious facts. So yeah, very, very recommendable. Nice, nice. That's, I, I like that approach where you kind of outsource your recommendation engine to your friends and, 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 and colleagues. You know, you say, hey, yes. um, I need to, you know, get outside my head and, and, uh, and not just go, you know, where I would normally pick my, for my inventory. But, where, you know, I'm the same as you. I, I go to a friend's house and I instantly scan the bookshelves. Like, and what can I take? And I always take a book. <laughs> what can I, yeah. And I always try and go and read it. But um, do, you, do you tend to... Um, go towards more nonfiction books or do you like reading the escape of fictions and graphic novels in the case of Century? Um, I mean, usually, yeah, it's a mix. Mm -hmm. I, I don't mind uh, fiction. I'm not very much, if it's if it's going too much into the fiction, you know? So yeah. I said, I'm, I'm not going to say in my, if in my list, I, for example, I've never read Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or any mm -hmm. of this. I'm, I'm probably the only person in the world. Um, and it I feels hope that nobody way, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this is just something where, where I just saw the hype and I said, I don't really think I need to read that. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> but otherwise, and that's exactly why I ask other people to recommend books because mm -hmm. I, I probably immediately said, no, I don't feel like I need to read that. And maybe I, I'm wrong. Yeah. No, you get exposed to problem. things. Yeah, you get exposed to things you never would have have been exposed to before, and yeah. uh, and that's a great approach. I think I might have to adopt that one. That's a that's a nice a nice tip. Um, so, I mean, we talked about you know uh, diversity and inclusion going from your personal passion to something that's now integrated with work. How do you feel about a work life balance? Is it something that you feel like can exist and uh, and you can turn off the world of work and 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 live keep life separate or do you feel like it's a work-life integration i think i'm very lucky because i don't think i have a problem doing this mm -hmm. so, i mean it doesn't work um, I, I keep it separate and i have no problem to um, switch off the close the macbook and i said okay now it's the weekend and now it's the evening and of course I make exception. No, I mean, like I said, I work in commercial events. If I know if there's, I don't know, like the Adobe Summit coming up, and I work with colleagues from the US, I know, I, I and I'm waiting for an urgent thing. I check at ten o'clock when I know they are waiting, uh, they are working because I am waiting for this, and it's my project that needs right. that. But in general, uh, and I keep saying it to people, it's like you know, I, I don't do heart transplants. Nobody's dying if I'm not <laughs> 24 7 available. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm passionate about my job and I love what I do, but I know when, when it's time for my private life. Yeah. Um, and it, sometimes, of course, it, it interferes, but that's why I'm saying diversity and inclusion is it's not my job, it's my passion. Yeah, no, that, that I can see that being a very hectic part of the year <laughs> when all these yes. major events kind of collide and, and you do have to uh, go the extra mile to make sure you're not sacrificing what, what is important and truly important. I, I like the levity you added too, that we are not brain surgeons. You know, we are, we are, this is, these are not life and death situations. We need to keep that in mind in the overall context. But 
I also really, um, I really think what you said is interesting that, that perhaps there is a way to integrate um, the diversity and inclusion passion with some of these big platforms that you work on every year, like the NetCentric Summit, but specifically the Adobe Summit, because these are major global platforms. And, and if you can combine you know, the, the reach and the exposure with that, with, with the diversity and inclusion projects, I think uh, you add that much more power and, and di- you know, dynamic uh, environments to your, pro- for your programs. Yes, that's the best part of it, that when I took it on a year and a half ago, it was, this is the one thing I do and this is the other thing I do. But now so much has has changed and then uh, diversity and inclusion has really become a focus, not only for the centric or caucus and also like for all the com- companies, uh, it's in the media, it's everywhere. The awareness has increased a lot. So mm-hmm. it becomes easier and easier to combine those things, yeah. especially in, in commercial marketing. I mean, we had the other day, we were present at an at an event, uh, the first big um, face-to-face uh, event. And it was very last minute. And due, due to pure travel logistics, we, we had only there the, the classic um, white middle-aged men to represent us at the event. <laughs> um, and I, I noticed, I mean, I was from a commercial marketing perspective, I was in charge of organizing this. And of course, I noticed this and I thought, hmm, so if they provide images, it will not be diverse. I hope they get some <laughs> more diverse people, at least in the background or in the audience. Um, but okay, I was very thankful that they supported last minute event at all because I couldn't be there. Um, so, but then in the feedback hall, the, the people said, you know what we noticed while we were there? <laughs> we were just uh, there, the, the typical white uh, males, and, and we were not representing the company at this event, how the company actually is. We, we are much more than diverse than we were there. And I was so happy. I mean, it was no, no problem. Nobody said anything. But I was so happy that at least the awareness is already there. Mm-hmm. But also, I think that when, and this is just one example, you have this in a lot of areas. I now get more and more appro- approached within the company also from, from people who say, you know, I noticed this. I noticed this. Can we, what should I do? How should I react? So I, more and more this happens and I am, it's not, I'm not pushing the people to it. They come by themselves. And this, I think, is, is, is really great. So, so I think, and I think awareness is then, you know, awareness is the, is the first step on the way to change. Exactly. Yeah. It's like just being aware of it and, and, and self-educating and realizing the, the need to self-educate and, and, uh, and improve. Uh, that is the first step. And uh, that's good that, that there was some self-awareness in that, in that instance. Um, look, speaking of, you know, some of your other colleagues and younger employees, what advice would you give to new hires that are just joining NetCentric? What would you say some pieces of advice people who are just coming on board oh my advice is uh, join the diversity inclusion slack channel <laughs> that's and ideally in the circle so that's my advice to everyone but i mean um yeah but apart from this i mean netcentric is a great a company we have especially if you're young and you're, you're still trying to find your passion you know i mean i was i never knew that i could could do this, that I could lead the circle, I would have just been the 
silent member if I would not have been pushed into the role of the lead link. Um, so I think it's a great company to really find your passion to try things. I think the, the, the structure with the circles and the roles and also the PSL who supports you, mm -hmm. I think is a great way to really find out what are your strengths, what are your passion, what do you really want uh, in life, um, but with guidance. So nobody here will ever let you run into the knife. You know, you will always have the support. And, and it's very flexible if at some point you realize, I just can't energize this role for whatever reason. I, I thought it's different or time or I have so much project work. You just give up a role and it's no problem. And if you mm -hmm. want to take on another one or if you want to take it back later on, it's mm -hmm. no problem. It's really a say, okay. And say, okay, do you don't want it because you don't like it? Or is there a blocker? Is Do you need support to energize the role? Or have you just decided this role is not for me? And I think this is, this is especially if you're at an early stage of your career, it's very important. Right, right. I, I totally agree. And I think that's a great opportunity for, for new hires, especially the younger ones that are still experimenting and trying new things, is that ability to, to test out new roles and, and see what fits and see it more, sometimes more importantly, what doesn't fit. Uh, you know, that idea of the breadth Uh, of experiences versus the depth of experiences, you know, uh, but that's that's a great opportunity that, that people have by, by joining NetCenture. Nice. Well, we are coming up uh, towards the end um, and I would be remiss if I didn't end with the final question we ask all of our guests, uh, which is looking ahead the next, let's say, 10, 20 years or so, which technology or innovation are you most excited about coming to the market and why? Yeah, I, I go with innovation because, as I mentioned before, technologies, I usually find out they exist if somebody shows it to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but innovations, what I really keep uh, an eye on is all the um, innovations happening in the area of replacing animal needs. Um, because I, I myself, I mean, I'm, I'm not a vegetarian or vegan, I eat meat, but I try to reduce it and, and mm -hmm. at least go for the um, ecological one because I told you I come from the countryside. I grew up with animals <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and, and so, but I still like to have my hamburger and my steak and my barbecue and I mm -hmm. just love for this whole innovation to happen when they just take um, grow the meat in the lab. Right. And you just take the cell from a living animal cow without hurting the cow, but you still make me a burger in the lab. I'm all for it. Yeah, that's a great answer. I haven't heard that one yet. Uh, that's a great, great answer. There's obviously a lot of innovation happening in this field. It's a trillion dollar industry waiting to be disrupted and uh, and they're moving very quickly uh, to, to disrupt and, and make the world more sustainable while also leaving the animals um, more or less intact in the food industry. So no, I love that answer. That's a great one. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Katrine. It's been a pleasure speaking with you and I'm so excited to see what what's to come in diversity and inclusion this summer and also uh, what lays ahead in the future. So thanks, thanks again for joining us. Thanks for having me.